0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Tonight on SportsCenter at 6, he's back. Oh, for me, I thought it'd be great.
1: <laughs> We're live in the Bahamas with full coverage of Tiger's impressive return
0: five or six turnovers in two games it's very frustrating
1: with so many dilemmas in big d can the cowboys bounce back teddy Bruski weighs in plus marvin bags all the headlines but jay billis reveals the two star players you must watch ahead of tonight's notre dame michigan state matchup ben simmons joel Embiid, and lebron james is this part of the process
2: uh, one of the greatest my dog And now, Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. Such
3: well. enthusiasm. It just belies so much. But that's a conversation for another day. Just six and six for this Thursday evening, including whether Jimbo Fisher is poised to take a new gig. Um, and oh whether God. the sixth times is a charm for Tennessee. But we we'll are start with Tiger, huh? That's what we're doing now. Okay, let's Ex- do
4: it. Even more. I got a highlight for you. <laughs> All right. 2017 Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas. You see Tiger Woods playing in his first event since the Dubai Desert Classic in February. All right, so let's get to Tiger versus the par fives here. Second shot on the par five on three, rips that two iron, 265 yards out, lands safely on the back of the green. Do you see? Get there, get there, get there. All right. Uh, He would two-putt for birdie, by the way. That is Tiger's first birdie since January 27th of 2017, one under through three. But he struggled the rest of the way on par fives. Here he is chipping for his third shot on nine. Chips it short, doesn't make it on the green, and then he just gives it to Stank Eye. All right, he would bogey that hole. T-shot here on 15. Yep, went a little right. He would have to take a drop. And at that point, Tiger Woods won over on par five holes, four under on all other. But he did bounce back. Third shot on four. Tiger's shift goes only a few feet away, only a few feet, and it's just off the green, and he's not very happy. Remember, Tiger's all in the hips. (laughs) You get it? You get it? Mm -hmm, No, Anyway, now I'm trying to save par. He sinks it from just off the green. Oh, remember that? The Tiger Woods fist bump? Yep. Came back. Then on 14, second shot from the fairway. He sinks it a couple feet from the hole. Boom! Uh, he would birdie the hole to go up for, for go uh, four under, rather. Now on 18, Tiger sitting at three under. His chip rolls a few feet past the hole, just a bit outside. And so now for par, he sinks it. Tiger shoots a 69, three under on the day. Good enough for eighth. Through the first round pretty good. Tiger finished today three under with five birdies, two bogeys. He was the only player in the field with a birdie on eight and the only player with a birdie on ten. Both of his bogeys came on par five. So over-under for his first-round score was 71.5, and he finished a few shots under at 69. So good day, right?
0: It was not only nice to get the first round out of the way, but it's also I'm only three shots out of the lead. And so to be able to put myself there um, after not playing for what was it 10 months or so in the neighborhood of that, it was nice to, to feel the adrenaline out there and you know last year uh, you know I, w- I got tired you know last year and you can saw uh, you can see I was like three four in a par and then make a couple dubs, a couple bogeys here there and, and lose the round. Um, this year, obviously with my back better, my training sessions have been much better. my strength is up. And uh, I didn't feel tired at all, which was great.
3: Michael Collins in the Bahamas, inside the ropes with Tiger's group for the first round. Take us inside the scorecard, 369. What's your biggest takeaway from Tiger's first start in 301 days, Mike?
5: I'm going to have to say my biggest takeaway is that he believes he can win this thing. And he's in a position to do that, which... None of us knew. Remember earlier this week he said he didn't even know what his expectations were going to be. But now he's in a position to win. The thing that troubled me with Tiger was what he normally eats up, the par 4s and the par 5s especially, the par 5s, he was over par. But still, making a birdie on the hardest hole, number 10, says something about who Tiger Woods is. And the fact that he's only three shots back... Man, I'm trying to stay calm. We all are, but still, seeing Tiger today felt good, man. Seeing him like this feels good. See, that's the problem. You getting excited. What happened to taking it easy Right.
3: and having reasonable expectations? That was a message
4: yesterday. Tomorrow,
3: you're going to tell me he winning at Augusta. Calm
5: down. <laughs> calm down, big man. <laughs> I'm not going to – I'm not – hey. It's like that when at one point he was two shots off the lead, and I was like, all right, we need to breathe. We just need to breathe. I know. It's only Thursday. But remember, last year on Friday, he shot 65, and the conditions out here on Thursday weren't as bad as what people thought. But still, all right, just calm down. There's only 17 other dudes he's playing against. so Correct. All right, just chill.
3: Including eight of the top ten players in the world, I believe, last year. Didn't he finish 15th out of 17th last year? So we talk, you know, am I right? And yeah.
5: one guy, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that's okay. I it love your enthusiasm. See, that's just like love enthusiasm. Bring up old I'm, stuff. I love
3: your enthusiasm. <laughs> Appreciate you, Michael. Talk to you tomorrow, man. Lots of other athletes just as excited as Michael Collins to watch Tigers Round. Steph Curry, the wait is over. The wait is over. <laughs> Tiger Woods, he added him. Uh, Michael Phelps, pumped to be watching Tiger Woods back out there. And birthday boy, happy 55th to Bo Jackson. Great to see Tiger Woods back on the golf course.
5: foul by Scott Brooks of Simmons. Scott Brooks employing the hack of Ben Simmons right here. And again, they foul Simmons. You thoughts when
6: you go Make the
3: free throw. as it. I'm not trying to miss him.
0: Certainly cannot knock the strategy at the rate that Ben Simmons is missing free throws. Does it you
6: get frustrating in your mind? No. No. Boy,
5: this game can't get to two minutes or fewer fast enough. That's when the strategy will end.
6: It's not going to happen for that much longer. You know, I'm going
3: I'm to knock him down. None of that tonight, please. Just over an hour from now, and just down 84-90 to to Boston. Sixers Celtics for the second time this season, this time from the Garden. boston held Philly to his second lowest point total, 92, and second lowest field goal percentage, 38, on October 20th. In that start, that game win, excuse me, that started the 16-game winning streak. Celtics coming off a loss to the Pistons, but a rare full practice yesterday. Sixers on a back-to-back coming off the win over Washington, but will be without T.J. McConnell and Joel Embiid, who TMZ reports visited Meek Mill last Friday. Free Meek. (laughs)
4: Now Jeff Goodman is in Boston for tonight's game. Now last night against the Wizards, as Mike mentioned, Ben Simmons, he attempted a NBA single-game record, 24 free-throw attempts in the fourth, amounting to 29 for the game. Is this a strategy that the the Sixers expect other teams to employ?
6: No. I spoke to Brett Brown earlier, and he wasn't surprised by it because of the way the game was going. Uh, Scott Brooks, they were down 20. Uh, They had kind of their second unit on the floor. So he gave Scott Brooks credit uh, for going with it last night, but he doesn't think that this is going to be something uh, that's going to be happening quite often. And he stuck with Ben Simmons. I mean, that was kind of the key. A lot of guys would pull their star player or have pulled players like Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan in the past. He stuck with Ben Simmons, who told me earlier today he's going to continue to do that because he needs to instill confidence in the first or second year player, however you want to define him. Uh, Brad Stevens just spoke about it, and he said his eyes were glued to the TV last night. It was so unique, something that he hadn't seen before. And, And what he said was he gives Ben Simmons a lot of credit because he kept his composure. He got better. He made six of eight at the end of the game. Guys, I wouldn't expect to see it tonight because the game's in Boston. As you said, there's no Joel Embiid. So I think the Celtics are probably going to be up, and Brad Stevens is hoping he wouldn't even have to think about employing it.
3: We accept no Sixers slander around here. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Goodman, USA Today, today, quote, if LeBron James, who can become a free agent after this season, decides to lead the Cavaliers, he could and should consider the 76ers, and executives around the league believe Sixers president of basketball ops, Brian Colangelo, will attempt to sign James. What's the word around the campfire when it comes to this scenario?
6: I mean, come on. I spoke to one NBA GM earlier today, and they can't talk on the record because uh, they'll get fined. But he said off the record, if there's any NBA GM that does not go after LeBron James that has cap room, we got Ben Simmons over here right now. So maybe you guys can ask him uh, if he's going to get fouled a lot. Ben, what do you think? You're going to get hacked today? He said, no, I don't think so, guys. He said he thinks he's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but getting back to the original question, listen, if you don't go after LeBron James, you're out of your mind, and you should be fired if you're a GM. That's what the GM I spoke to uh, told me.
3: Well, I'm not a GM, and maybe I am out of my mind. No, we don't need LeBron James. That's right, I say we. We don't need LeBron James. We're so not carpet bagging and ring chasing. See, we got
4: LeBeige. I- we have them. We don't need LeBron. I'm asking Ben.
6: We, uh, we I'm asking Ben if they want LeBron James. He can't answer that because he 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 he'll okay. get fined.
4: Don't, don't get him to tamper. Want
3: this process to grow naturally. Let LeBron take his ring chase. Said by no one.
4: We don't want LeBron. (laughs) Uh, Jeff, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Now, since it's Throwback Thursday, let's go back to the time, the last time, rather, Michigan State and Notre Dame faced one another as top five teams. Elite Eight, 1979. Michael Smith, just a twinkle in his mama's eye. A young phenom named Magic Johnson helped the Spartans knock off Bill Hanslick and the Irish, 8068, en route to Michigan State's first national title. Magic had 19 points, 13 assists.
3: You were there, right? You covered that game, didn't you? I'm sorry. I'm
4: Don't sorry. make me get unChristian. like <laughs> And his teammate Greg Kelzer led all scores with 34 points. There was a future Detroit Pistons bad boy named Bill Lambert, who was also on that team. He had seven points and four rebounds for Notre Dame. Jay Billis is too young to have covered that game, but Jay is still hard to believe that it's been that long since these two teams have seen each other as top five teams. So let's start with Notre Dame. Uh, Bonzi Colson, who was averaging 20 points, 10 rebounds is their best player what does michigan state have to do to bottle up Bonzi tonight
7: Well, they can't let him get below him. And Bonzi Colson is only 6'5", and Mike Bray uh, jokes he's got no neck, no calves, but he's one of the the best players in the country uh, because he's got long arms and he knows how to play. And at 6'5", he led the ACC in rebounding last year. He was the first player under 6'7", to lead that league in rebounding since 1958. That's how special of a player he is. I think what you really have to do is make sure that you don't let him catch the ball deep. And he can face up, as you mentioned, scoring 20 points a game. Uh, But if he's a pick-and-pop guy, let him take threes. Otherwise, you really have to contain him, throw a couple different guys at him, and make sure you have really good help. And you also have to make sure that you deal with, with Matt Farrell, who's an outstanding scorer, scoring about 18 a game. But Michael and Jamel, this game is about three things. It's about transition defense for Notre Dame. They cannot let Michigan State get out on the break. It's about rebounding because Michigan State has to own the glass in this game. And it's about turnovers because over the last couple years, it's been in Michigan State's nature to turn the ball over a little too much. If they turn it over against Notre Dame, who doesn't turn it over at all, then Notre Dame will have a chance to win here.
3: Uh, Jay, Tom Izzo told Jamel yesterday uh, (laughs) that Miles Bridges is at 90%. Seeing as how Michigan State won that PK80 tournament with Bridges a little banged up, how much scarier does having Bridges pretty much at full strength make the Spartans tonight?
7: Well, it's really scary. Uh, the scariest thing was that Izzo and Jamel didn't let you in at all. Apparently, if you <laughs> don't have do that, your huh? Michigan State card, you can't get involved <laughs> in these things at all. You know, talking about hoodies and you know how great it is in East Lansing. It's Appreciate the best place welcome. ever. Thank and you. The future side, yeah, future side of the Second Coming. Um, but, but, look, Miles Bridges is the real deal. I'll tell you one thing. I know he's uh, he's not fully back yet. But one thing he needs to do is be more assertive. He only had three shots in the first half. In that game in Chicago against Duke, he, he did a much better job in the second half. But he, he's not getting to the free throw line right now. He shot ten free throws on the season, and so he needs to be a, a go-to guy and be assertive because that opens up things for everybody else. But you know, we watched him today in practice and a couple times against a zone when he you know he, he went up and dunked the ball, and it was ridiculous. It was hard watching practice not to stand up and applaud. Uh, he's really, really good.
4: Uh, well, thank you, Jay. Uh- you know, I don't take any credit for that. Uh, but i tell you what, uh, go to uh, Crunchy's and have a bucket of beer on me. Tell them I sent you. My name is good around East Lansing.
7: <laughs> it's all the only place. They ain't gonna be you, just if I go, it's not going to be one bucket.
4: <laughs> you don't know how big <laughs> that bucket is. <laughs>
3: we'll hear from you later. <laughs> Meanwhile, hoping to salvage your recruiting class after three prospects decommitted Wednesday night, Florida State officials are urging Jimbo Fisher to make a decision, just make a decision, about whether he'll remain with the Knowles beyond this season or accept an offer from Texas A&M that would make Fisher one of the sport's three highest-paid coaches with an annual salary of more than 7 million, Sources told ESPN's Mark Schlabaugh, whom you'll hear from momentarily. But first, take another listen to a fan confronting Fisher during his radio show last night.
6: Jimbo, yes, sir. Very, very excited when you came on board with the program, very excited to have you as the offensive coordinator, very excited when you became the head coach. Yes, sir. It's been kind of a tough season, mm-hmm. and I remember watching a lot of your press conferences and how you would talk about how we need to be committed to the program and keep cheering for the team, and we need to be talking about that, about loyalty to the program. So I'm wondering, where's the loyalty to the program, (laughs)
4: Where's the justice? When keeping it real goes wrong. Now, Mark Slaybaugh, Jimbo Fisher, he said on the radio earlier today that he would have answered that fan's question. He also said he will make a decision about his future, quote, at the end of the year after things are finished. Realistically, when will all this job drama end?
8: Jamel, I don't think we're going to get a decision until after Saturday's regular season finale against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, FSU source told me earlier today the school was pressuring him to make a decision, but it thinks, I think he's going to wait. Uh, Texas A&M's Board of Regents are meeting right now in College Station. They're expected to finalize an offer for Fisher. As you mentioned, we'll pay him more than $7 million, make him the second-highest-paid coach in college football behind only Alabama's Nick Saban. FSU officials have told me for more than a week that they expect Fisher to vote for College Station. They've been making preparations in case that happens i'm told fsu athletics director stan wilcox would like to land a minority coach if they needed a replacement so keep an eye on oregon's willie taggart uh texas a&m's former texas a&m coach kevin sumlin and south florida's charlie strong all
3: right mark this is only the second most dramatic coaching carousel story moving on to knoxville i'm telling you tennessee just do like the kids do And like a bunch of picks on IG and a wait for the coach to slide your DMs. These days, instead of getting, you know, publicly rejected over and over, across NC State's Dave Dorn off the list, he gets a new five-year deal out of the Vols ordeal. Uh, volunteers fans unhappy with how new UTAD John Curry has conducted his coaching search chanted Fire Curry on a handful of occasions Wednesday night during the, team's men's, uh, the men's basketball team's victory over Mercer. So you got, meanwhile, Lane Kiffin continues to get his Twitter troll on.
4: Yeah, and Mark, at this point, the only person who hasn't turned down Tennessee is Bud Kilmer. Uh, nevertheless, Let's go. <laughs> Kevin Sumlin has emerged as a candidate. So how for real is Tennessee's interest in Kevin Sumlin?
8: I mean, I think it's a legitimate interest. We were told that they had reached out to Sumlin before Doran, turned him down sure. to stay with the Wolfpack. Pack. Sumlin might want to wait to see what happens at Florida State and some other places, but I think uh, Tennessee A.D. John Curry seems to be in a hurry, would like to get this thing done by the end of the week. The interesting thing, Sumlin doesn't have to coach. Texas A&M paid him $10.4 million to go away. That buyout is payable in 60 days and is not decreased if he takes another coaching job. Uh, if it's not someone, some other guys, just keep an eye on Alabama defensive coordinator Jeremy Pruitt, Auburn defensive coordinator Kevin Steele who's a Tennessee grad and a former coach there, and Washington State's Mike Leach. All right, Mark, we appreciate the insight. Thursday night football, not just any five and six
3: teams. Washington at Dallas, according to FBI, Washington's playoff hopes will stand at 6.7% with the win, Dallas at 2%. We will devote a significant percentage of our attention tonight to the QBs as usual. Kirk Cousins comes in eighth in total QBR, while his counterpart, Dak Prescott's Cowboys, have lost three straight since Ezekiel Elliott's suspension, scoring fewer than 10 and losing by 20 in each. With Prescott contributing no touchdowns, five picks, and taking 14 sacks.
4: All right, and with that, we welcome in... Stefano Fuzaro, who is with the Cowboys. Uh, Now, with this three-game losing streak, uh, how are the Cowboys handling that? Because this is kind of foreign territory for them, given how poor their offense has been.
2: Well, it really has been a tension-filled locker room uh, since that last loss. Uh, Their Thanksgiving meals must have tasted just A little bittersweet after a third straight blowout loss here at home on Thanksgiving to the Chargers. Now, of course, Dak Prescott even mentioned uh, last week that this is the most frustrated he's ever been in his football career. And that's saying a lot for a guy who's only been in in the league, in the NFL. This is his second year after having so much success in his first year. Now, of course, during the week, Jason Garrett and the rest of the Cowboys are trying to preach positivity and trying to look forward after these three blowout losses. But if you start looking at it, Zeke isn't walking through that door until Christmas Eve. Sean Lee, their heart and soul of their defense, he's not walking through that door today, and we don't really know when he's going to be back on the field due to that injury, and he's not the only one because his replacement, linebacker Justin Durant, he's not going to play tonight uh, due to he's still in the concussion protocol, so he won't be on the field. Good news is Anthony Hitchens, the other linebacker, will be on the field tonight, and he was questionable going into this game. And just a few moments ago, our Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN.com, reported that offensive lineman Lyle Collins will start tonight. He was also in question for this game, and they're going to need him and a whole lot more uh, to win this game and keep their playoff hopes alive.
3: Teddy Bruski here played a part of DJ Collett. Give us the keys to success <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, for this NFC
9: showdown. Did you hear that about those linebackers being out?
3: I did. Man, that's how we brought you Lee, in,
9: Justin. Durant. It's all strategic, mm. man. That's that's pretty big. That's yeah. pretty big. All right. When when you got not one but another linebacker down, you that trickle down effect is to where everyone else's job description now is to what they have to do is delayed because usually I've been there behind them when they look to you and like, what's the call? What do we have to do? And boom, you give them the answer right now. But now it's coming from someone else that has to go to somebody else, and it's going to take a little bit longer. Or it's now on them that they have to make the call, and it takes them that much longer to get to their job description. So it's just one step that takes a little bit longer, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got them problems.
3: And then, margin for is already pretty slim. Yeah, yeah.
4: A, a lot of attention, even though obviously everything you said about uh, their linebacking core is certainly appropriate for this game. But clearly there's been a lot of attention on Dak Prescott. And yeah. with, with the absence of Ezekiel Elliott, a lot of people look at him and say, oh, he's been exposed. But is it just about – Dak maybe not performing as well as he he can or has in the past with Zeke or do they have like larger issues on offense?
9: Jamil I don't think exposed is the right is the right term because I mean he is what he is I mean he was a good quarterback off of play action complimentary type of role when he had to make a big play he made it last year now, when the running backs not the, the running game's not there, he has to do more, and he can't do that. He's not Aaron Rodgers. You can't line up in empty with five receivers out and just let Dak Prescott throw the ball every single down what they need to do is use him as a runner more. They need to use him as a runner, get, get him back to that 11-on-11 11 11 football because if, if your best runner in Zeke isn't there, if the defense thinks now that you can legitimately run some quarterback sweeps, some options, some power. They don't power, really do a lot of They that, don't. Do they? I think they need to implement that yeah. because mm-hmm. that's an, an added element to where you take an extra defender that has to also account for the quarterback. Yeah. Scrambles, bootlegs, those type of things. If you're going to rely on Dak Prescott's arm, All right. And you think that's going to get the job done. It's not going to get the job done. It has to be more than that.
4: You're talking about adjustments with which the Cowboys. Right. Been a lot of talk that they haven't made a lot of those. And people are starting to uh people weather. jerry jones okay jerry he jones said, i need to see and the difference their coaching makes." Like, you
3: know.
9: <laughs> yeah, and coaching when when players get injured and you're in the you're in a locker room and all of a sudden winning's great i don't need you head coach i don't need you coordinator tell me what to do we're going to get it done we'll be fine we're winning football games we start to lose we start people start to get hurt now I need an answer. Mm -hmm. I need something from you, Jason Garrett. I need something from you. Anybody, my defensive coordinator, my positional coach, give me something that we can do and make an adjustment to help us win. They're not getting that right now. So is
3: Jason Garrett's job. Should it be even in more jeopardy? It's Dallas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's Jerry Jones. So we know he can fire anybody. But should it be in more jeopardy, not just with a loss tonight, but a loss that further exemplifies what what we're talking about, which is a lack of in-game adjustments.
9: Yeah, in-game adjustments, and I think a sign of a good head coach is how well, how good your depth is. Still coaching that depth to let them know, the emphasis on them, coaching them and letting them know when when the time does come, they're ready to play. That's because when you have an overemphasis of star players... This is the problem, the true problem, I think, in Dallas—the overemphasis of a Zeke, of a Sean Lee, of a of a quarterback—the triplets. It's just them. All of a heavy. sudden, they're gone. Right. Everybody's looking at like, well, well, we can't do it now, right? They're not here. So that mentality of of pushing mm. your stars like that, I think, it gets you in this predicament predicament often. Mm. All right, thank That's you.
3: The keys. Appreciate keys. Sure. It. Three losses in a row since beating the Warriors. The problem isn't as simple as the big three going through growing pains. Thunder actually outscored the opposition by 58 in 432 minutes with Russ Mello and PG on the floor. Thunder have the 8th best net rating in NBA, even though they neither move nor pass enough. The issue is the last five minutes. One in nine in games within five points in the final five. And get this. All 12 of OKC's losses this season have come when favorite in Vegas. Most such losses at this stage of the season by any team over the last 25 years. Melo, not at a loss, not yet.
2: Nobody is uh, moping around. Nobody is frustrated. Uh, I think guys are angry. I think guys are pissed. But I just come from you know your competitive nature, wanting to win games, understanding what we have over here, the, the talent level that we have over here. Uh, and not being able to put it together right now. So that's where
6: the anger come in at. You've said before you feel like you guys are close. Do you still feel that way? Do you think there's any need to do something big? Do you think like a lineup change or anything? No, no, hell no. No no,
3: no. no, no, not at all. All right, Royce, Melo seemed cool about it. You've been around this. That wasn't intentional. Uh, <laughs> you've been around this team through a lot of ups and downs over the years. What's the level of concern in terms of your read on the, on the locker room and behind the scenes?
0: They are doing their absolute best, Michael, to preach the it's early narrative to everybody that is willing to listen at this point. It's 20 games, though. That justification is starting to run a little bit thin. Uh, Carmelo Anthony tried to hammer that home a number of different times today. He was actually asked, have you reached out to some of your close friends that have gone through this sort of thing, namely LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade, when they came together in Miami in 2010, and Melo even kind of laughed and said, it's not time for any phone calls yet, because it's still early. But, as this team still is working through this, and this same type of problem continues to persist, there is a little bit of anxiety. You know, as one person in the front office had talked about, is they are certainly confused about why they have struggled, like you talked about, Michael, in these close games. But, you know, walking into the practice facility today, I thought it was pretty striking. Billy Donovan, Sam Presti were standing out on the middle of the floor talking, almost like a, kind of, almost intentionally so, so that the media could see them, that they were talking, discussing things. No fractures there. Russell Westbrook was actually laying on the floor talking to assistant coach Mo Cheeks and assistant GM Troy Weaver. And he was was having a good time. He was very energetic. He was laughing. When Billy Donovan talked to the media, he spoke for almost 20 minutes today. And when Donovan finally wrapped up, Westbrook, who was still laying on the floor, he was the last guy out there, cracked a joke about Billy Donovan going on for as long as he did. So they're trying to keep things light. They're trying to keep things energetic. But as the losses keep piling up, that type of stuff in the it's early talk is going to run out.
4: Yeah. Three ball dominant players. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, you mentioned Russell Westbrook. Of course, a lot of this comes back uh, to him, you know, whether good or bad. Uh, he's accepted some responsibility, a lot of responsibility for some of the things that have gone on. But truly, how much of the burden is on Westbrook?
0: Really, Jamel, that's some of the problem is that a lot of times Russell Westbrook feels like it's all on his shoulders. And that's something Carmelo Anthony today kind of tried to tamp down a little bit is that after the loss uh, last night, Russell Westbrook kind of sat there and said that it was his fault. He didn't bring enough energy. He didn't set the tone early, didn't bring a sense of urgency. And with the way that this team is structured with three guys kind of set above the rest, with Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. Melo said, hey, I sympathize with the way that he feels. I've been in that situation before where you want to say it's all you, but we're in this together is what Anthony's uh, his message was. Uh, but that's Russell Westbrook. You know, It was pretty striking, I thought, last night, Jamel, as everybody walked off the floor. Uh, Russell Westbrook sat there on the end of the bench, had his head down, actually had some coaches and teammates had to kind of come up and console him because it's pretty simple. Russell Westbrook hates to lose, and he had higher expectations than this for this group and this team, and right now they're all starting to feel that pressure because it's not come together as smoothly as they hoped it would.
4: Yeah, Interesting that he would feel it was all on him when he's got two top 20 players with him. Uh, thank you, Royce. We appreciate the report. That there is Bonzi Colson, one of seven players in Division One averaging 20 points per game and 10 rebounds. Michigan State is going to have to do a lot to stop that guy. And here to tell us a little bit about tonight's matchup, Jay mm-hmm. Will. Uh, all right, here you Are you
1: nervous? It. No. Okay. I, I like you come I, right out the gate. I'm just asking.
4: Nervous? I know how you get oh, into the game. Sorry, where they at? <laughs> Beast Lansing, right? Okay, Fair point. just, just okay. one. All right, you know what, how we get down there, right? I got you, I got you. Look, Notre Dame is undefeated. Very good team, uh-huh. fresh off winning the Maui Invitational. Uh, Michigan State's only lost to Duke. They're playing good ball now. But who needs this more tonight, Michigan State or
1: Notre Dame? Well, I think, of course, people could say if Notre Dame were to get a win on the road, that would be massive. But you know, it, when you think about championship-caliber teams, Michigan State has to prove that this is the type of year where they're going to win a championship. And you prove that you're going to win championships when guys like Miles Bridges, now I know he had a little bit of an ankle injury. But this is, this, is what, this is what you come to Michigan State for, right? You, you want to play college basketball for these prime time games. I want to see Miles Bridges, the, the preseason national player of the year. I want to see Miles Bridges potentially a top five pick. I want to see the best basketball player in college basketball play on the biggest level and demand the ball and the respect that he's deserved. And I want to see the rest of the team follow suit. Michigan State, I think this is a must-win game for them for their own mentality to believe that they can win a championship.
3: All right, let's get to Duke. Gutted one out against Indiana in Bloomington last night. One thing to love about them—they know how to close. Final ten minutes of regulation, their last three. Outscored mm-hmm. Texas by twelve, Florida by sixteen, and Indiana last night by nine. What's your biggest takeaway from what they did? Do you last want the night?
1: analyst hat? or Do you want the fan hat? Like Can the, you OJ, them? the OJ? Okay, because the OJ hat kind of wants to see this team go through some adversity, to get smacked a little bit, because they're no—they're they're so. Darn talented. It's crazy. And none of their freshmen are playing like freshmen. You just want to see them get faced with adversity and, and not turn out their way. Mm. And I'm not saying that Coach K is brilliant. He can find different ways to, to captivate them and keep their attention. But the best way of recognizing a team that maybe they don't have all the answers is when they get hit in the mouth, when they lose a little bit. Now, look, I think this team has the talent to potentially go undefeated. They have really? the talent too. I don't think it's going to happen because you still have to play at Louisville. You have to play at North Carolina. And I'd rather see this team kind of find a way to go through a hurdle and learn from it and they still have room for improvement. That's the crazy thing. This team still has a ceiling. Like, Trayvon DeVoe is not playing his best basketball. Gary Trent Jr. is not playing his best basketball. Marvin Bagley is. Wendell Carter needs to stop fouling. So this team still has a long way to go.
4: Oh, gosh. Undefeated. That's scary. All right. Start the,
1: hey, they threw it out, not me. <laughs> no.
4: Okay. Thanks, Jay Williams. Thank we
1: appreciate you.
4: it. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern, the 2018 FIFA World Cup draw takes place in Moscow. And defending champion Germany is the odds-on favorite to win it all again. They'd be the first repeat winner since Brazil in 62. Now, arguably, the biggest storyline for tomorrow's draw is what happens to Spain. The 2010 World Cup champs failed to advance out of the group stage in 2014, and they're in POT2 Friday, meaning they'll be joined by another strong team in their group. Now, 20 of the 32 teams from 2014 will return in 2018, but some of the world's biggest names will not be there, including, yep, you remember the U.S. four-time champion Italy and the Netherlands, who finished second in 2010. I was at that World Cup, (laughs) of course. Uh, Despite all that, this World Cup will not lack for star power. The game's three biggest names will all participate. You know them. Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar. All right, and we'll have the second leg of the Western Conference Championship tonight at 1030 Eastern on ESPN. The Sounders hosted Dynamo at Century League Field with Seattle leading 2-0 on aggregate. You can also find it on the ESPN app. Soccer!
3: Tennessee continues to try and find a coach. Lane Kiffin continue to take advantage.
8: I really don't know much about things, so um, you have to understand, I don't really have this big plan and we sit around for an hour and figure out, like, basically, people, friends, uh, you know, some RGA's, they come up with ideas, they send them to me, and then I just retweet them, so I didn't know who the guy was. cool. He
4: didn't know who the guy was.
3: I believe him. I believe him. I believe you. No,
4: you don't. No, I, I kind of do. Lane, take credit. It's your moment, man. you played in friders. the conference championship. You're the no, greatest take rappers credit, of all time. Not ghost riders. Look, I no, write
3: your lines all the time. <laughs> whatever. I give you your jokes every no, day. No.
4: Uh, I would. Are you kidding me? Everybody knows that you're the, focus, the focus, corny focus, person on focus, the
3: show. Anyway, focus. Focus. Anyway,
4: <laughs> let your pettiness be your guide. Lane. <laughs> take credit. You deserve it. Um, Anthony Davis, was he just trying to get ejected? He did for the first time in his NBA career. A lot of that going around, considering LeBron. During last night's uh, loss to the T-Wolves after the game, Boogie defended AD. Holding him back. It's a complete joke. What I don't understand is that the players are punished for playing off emotion or showing their emotion, but other people are allowed to, and it's totally fine. Well, no. I are mean, he so, talking about? He gets a
3: ticky-tack foul. Uh, he gets fouled on one end. Right. And then he comes out, he gets a block. And he gets called for fouling the other. So I totally understood his frustration there. I mean, you don't often see AD go off like that. It's certainly ironic seeing Boogie Cousins holding him back. <laughs> but sometimes just, you're just not here for it. Right. I was like that this morning. I was like that last night. You're just not here for it. <laughs>
6: you so get your that
3: money's way, worth. <laughs> if you're going to get kicked off, kicked out, Just go in all the way. Steph, 6-17 in regulation, made up for it with 13 of his 28 in OT and it went over the Lakers. Didn't impress LeVar Ball. Shocker. Neither does two MVPs and two NBA titles. Still on one when it comes to him and his son. I trained my son. I know what he's about. You guys know what Steph is about from what you've seen. I don't know what Steph is about. He's a good player.
4: He's a two-time MVP. He can be a ten-time MVP. I still don't think he's better than my son. How do we? I don't know. I mean, but I guess in fairness, he's supposed to think that way as his father. But look, you don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) You can love your son, but you don't have to that way. I look at Lamar. I'm not Lamar. I look at Levar Ball like you look at your drunk uncle on the dominoes table. No doubt. That's how I look at him like it's like okay. it's Did you look at
3: what the uh, the Warriors did to Luke Walton (laughs) just to remind him (laughs) from when he's come? But then Levar got the nerve to say Julius Randle should have thrown it to Lonzo for the last shot in regulation, why, so he can miss?
4: I mean. He had a good shooting night last night in fairness.
3: Okay. Okay. Sure.
4: He got cooking a little bit. I think he had like eight consecutive points at one point. Well, give him his credit. All right. then during last night's Hornets Raptors game, Drake was caught on the big screen pouring a can of grapefruit Perrier. Oh, how lovely! Into a OVO branded cup, of course. After the game, he interviewed Kyle Lowry, who
5: had thirty-six.
2: What, what props a performance like that? Season high?
5: Um, you know, I, I watched a lot of Instagram. I seen you singing last night, so, you know, it kind of helped me out a little
2: bit with some motivation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wanted to, yeah, you didn't know I could sing. Thank you. Very nice of you. Well, we're looking forward to more performances like this. Thank you very much, Kyle Lowry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one of the greatest. My dog.
4: By the way, speaking of Perrier, I want to put our producer, Jasmine Alexander, on blast. She's a Perrier. That's her That's her drink of choice. Okay. See, Philly... That's fancy. See, I'm, I'm telling it on her because I know she be deep in them streets in Philly. Philly, one of your own Perrier. What's wrong with that? You a Perrier guy?
3: No, but well, what's wrong with it? Why are you so judgmental all the yeah, time? Yeah, I'm judging. Meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> Drake, good at everything.
4: Yes. You know. You're
3: Uh New leader in the clubhouse for the worst pitch of all time.
4: I have not seen this. Wait, but... So she wasn't even
3: Wait, hold facing? on. Now. See, yesterday oh, no, I got the doors wrong because that view is wrong. Wait, That's Asian that winterly.
4: So she was not facing the catcher. I'm
3: looking at the return monitor, so I'm not looking at the camera for okay, all you TV the TV producers out there.
4: So, did no one tell her you're this supposed she- to face the catcher? Fifty cents somewhere is like I'm exonerated. I'm off the hood.
3: She looks. She looks young. So we're gonna let that. <laughs> 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 this is how you beat the buzzer, Tim Hardaway Jr. And that's definitely how you celebrate it. We're going hard in the paint. By before we go home. shoulder home, Nick shot sixty percent last night. For Zinga's MRI negative, good day to be a Knicks fan. There's not often you can say that, so let them have it.
4: I am. Way to get all that in. Let's go hard in the paint with Harden. I get it, Harden in the paint. That was your joke. Anyway, uh, Harden came one point shy of becoming the third player to average thirty-five and ten for an entire calendar month. This is looking like this may be the year, Mike.
3: Enough with the runner-up finishes. Yeah, Look, this may be the year. He's leading the league in points per game and assists per game. According to Synergy. Oh, it's a trip, already, yeah. you saw that? I saw I saw that, that. that. I saw Number that. Number one isolation defender in the league yep. is James Harden. So doing it on phone. 17-14. Come on, man. Give that man his props.
4: Uh, J-Lo is giving A-Rod plenty of props here. She thinks he should be the next manager of the Yankees. That's not happening. but. Why not? No. First of all, what
3: J Lo says, I co-sign. Okay. Secondly, of course. Come on, you kind of love to see that, right?
4: Well, actually, I wouldn't. You know why? Because selfishly, I'm enjoying A Rod as a television analyst. I think he's been great. Yep. Is that okay?
3: Before we call a day, tell the people we had a good day.
4: All right, it was a good day for Colin Kaepernick. He is the recipient of the 2017 Sports Illustrated Muhammad Ali Legacy Award. He'll be honored on December 5th at Barclays Center. So congratulations to Colin Kaepernick.
3: Happy birthday to Bo Jackson, Ooh. who's 55 today and probably still could go for 155 if you threw him out there. It's best athlete I ever saw. Best
4: Tecmo Bowl, best video game athlete, too, right?
3: That's just not even a comparison. Yeah, exactly. Okay, thanks for winning me all that money in college on Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> uh, that's it for the six Sports Center continues on ESPN News. Notre Dame, about to beat Michigan State. <laughs> <next>. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry, dog. I'm no. sorry. Hater. I'm sorry. Hater! That was too easy. That was too easy.
4: <laughs>